morning. Well, um, I don't know how you feel about social media, but I'm personally, I'm not a fan of social media, actually. Now, if you are, that's totally cool, all right? It, like, the, don't, don't feel any sort of way just because I'm not into it. But um, the reason that I'm not a fan of it and I'm really not, not on social media is, um, you know, I don't, for me, it's just like there's so much pressure around it. Anybody else feel that? Just feel, feel pressure with social. Like, I don't know if it's just my personality, but I feel like, you know, to post something, it's got to be like the perfect post because who knows who's going to see it and what it's going to look like. And so I just feel all this pressure around, around social media. Like, I have no idea, you know, what I would post and what, what that would look like. Um, and, but I think the, the biggest reason why I'm not on social media is because I don't want to produce a lot of jealousy or envy in other people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I mean, if you just, just look at this, all right? I mean, let, let's just look at this right over here. I mean, I, I am like a fashion icon, right? So if I were to post some of this stuff on social, I mean, it would just be devastating to other people because they're never going to achieve these levels of greatness. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so I'm not really uh, a big fan of, of social media, but, um, but there is one social media app that I really like. Uh, anybody heard of Be Real? Yeah, yeah, we got some Be Real. Yeah, people on Be Real, there you go. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Be Real is, uh, is this social media app where um, when you sign up for it, it's a free app, um, you randomly throughout every day, a certain time, every single person who's on Be Real everywhere in the world uh, gets an alert. And when you get the alert, you have two minutes to take a picture of yourself and your surroundings. I, I think this is absolutely genius. So um, there's re- really not any time for a lot of pressure, you know? Um, so I'm not on Be Real, but my wife is on Be Real. And so I've actually found myself getting into some uh, pictures. <laughs> Even pictures I didn't want to be in, right? There I am. Um, and you see, we're, we're, we're struggling a little bit here. You know, you see that it's not even in focus, okay? Let's go one more. Um, this is really embarrassing. You guys see what's going on? Like the thumb over the, the, the camera. Um, but this is probably my favorite shot from, from B-Real um, because I, I just love what's going on in this picture, okay? Uh, this is the essence of what it means to be real. My wife is still in her, in her nursing scrubs. Um, we're all sitting around the dining room table. We've still got something going on in the middle of the table from dinner. I mean, this is just, I'm not even paying attention to what's going on at all, right? I'm zoned out. But isn't this just real? I mean, that's, that's real life. It's not airbrushed and polished and produced and perfect. And, um, and I don't know, I just... So, so, so be real is, is, you know, this, just this snapshot of like, what's happening with you right now? No, no big deal. No, no pressure. In fact, I love the tagline for be real, which is your friends for real, your friends for real. Um, well, today uh, we are finishing a series called jumpstart and uh, today's message is called jumpstart your life. Now, if you think about it, uh, life can be a lot like social media, can't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but, but for the most part, I only really want to let people see what I want them to see. You know, um, there, there's a lot of things that I don't necessarily want everybody seeing or, or knowing about in my life. And I think this is especially true for men. It's true for all of us, but especially guys. 
Um, because I think with men, there's just something about this image thing, you know, this ego thing where we're, we, we just, we want to protect it. We want to protect our image. I remember uh, when I was in college, uh, my first date with my wife, Becky, okay, my very first date, this is actually a photo of us when we were, um, when, we, when we first started out. And um, I thought, you know what, um, first date, I want to take, I want to do something classy. You know, you're in college, so the bar's really low, okay? <laughs> but I'm like, let's, there was this movie coming out, out called Titanic, and, uh, and I was like, you know what? This is going to be perfect, right? Because I heard it had like some romance in it, which will appeal to her. But it also was like action adventure, you know? I was like, this is the perfect first date movie. It's going to be amazing. Maybe if things even go right, she'll be kind of like all upset and like kind of snuggling into me. You know what I'm saying? I was like, this could be, this could be good. This could be good. So um, anyway, we get there. The movie's going. I remember the movie was great. We're having a great time. Um, and then all of a sudden things went horribly wrong. So, you know, and you know how, what happened with the Titanic, right? I mean, it's not, it's not like a spoiler alert here. I mean, the Titanic sank, right? And I should have known this. I should have been mentally prepared for that reality. But man, they did such a great job with the movie. I don't know who produced the movie, but they just did such a good job of of the, you know, bringing the human element. You, you, we all know the Titanic went down, but we kind of forget that there were actual people, thousands of people on board who lost their lives tragically. And for some reason, I just sort of, in the, you know, I was so excited about my first date. I forgot all that stuff. The next thing you know, the Titanic's going down. The music is getting, you know, just the way they do it, you know? And all of a sudden I find, I'm not just like trying to, you know, just stifle back like something small. No, 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 no. I was coming completely unglued. I am weeping, weeping like a baby. Okay. It was so bad. You guys, okay. This is our first date and she had her arm around me. Okay. I'm not, I'm not making that up. Like you can ask her. She had her arm around me and she was consoling me as I was sobbing because these people gave their lives. It's terrible. It was, uh, you talk about being real. Yeah, that was a very, very real first date. She should have seen the warning signs. I don't know what she was thinking, but somehow, um, you know, we got married. We're still, we're still together. But, um, you know, the, the, the deal is that God actually, he created us to be real. He created you to be real. You know that, right? And, you know, it's not just about us having people in our lives. It's not just about us having great friends, but it's having friends that we can truly be real with. That's, that's how God has designed me and designed you. So um, Jesus had a lot of friends back in his day. And I want to um, share uh, one of the accounts in the Gospels of, uh, in the New Testament. It's an account of, of one of Jesus' good friends. His name was John the Baptist. And uh, John the Baptist, pretty well-known name, um, pretty much before Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist was the man. He was, he was this prophet. He had all kinds of followers. And, uh, and he was like a larger-than-life figure. But uh, the biggest claim to fame for John the Baptist and why we read about him in the Bible was because he was the forerunner to Jesus. He was the one that was going around proclaiming to all these people who were hanging on every word that he said, listen, there's someone even greater than me who's coming. His name is Jesus. He is the Messiah that we've all been waiting for. 
And so, um, you know, John the Baptist is, is basically, he's like the lead act for, for Jesus coming on the scene. And then everything is going great. And now Jesus is doing ministry and he's got all these, you know, he's doing miracles and he's teaching and, uh, and it's, it's all good, you know. And John the Baptist is, is sort of fanning the flames of all this. And then John the Baptist um, heard about something that was going on in Galilee with Herod Antipas, who was the, the ruler over Galilee back in Jesus' day. Uh, he heard that, that Herod was having an affair with his wife. So, um, so Herod, I'm sorry, he, Herod was having an affair with his brother's wife. That makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? Okay, yeah, can't have an affair with your wife. Doesn't work that way. Um, so Herod's brother's wife, he decides he's, he, he has an affair with, with, with her. And, um, and John the Baptist gets wind of this. And for those of you who know much about John the Baptist, he wasn't letting that go. So he calls out Herod Antipas over this affair. Well, Herod, pretty much the, the most powerful person in Galilee. And so he immediately has John the Baptist thrown into prison. And uh, this is a bit of a spoiler alert in case you were just cover your ears if you want to read all about John the Baptist and you don't want to know the end. But um, John the Baptist would never leave that prison cell. In fact, he was beheaded by Herod. Um, and so that's how his life would end. Um, but um, I, want to, I want to share with you, and it's kind of depressing. I just realized that, but it's just what happened. So I'm sorry, I can't, you know, can't change the story. Um, so I want to share with you an interaction that, that John the Baptist had while he was in prison and things were not looking good. And it's important that you know that things were not looking good for him. And, um, and he had an interaction, uh, John the Baptist did with, with some of his friends, some of his followers. And I just want you to notice how real John the Baptist was. So we pick it up in uh, one of the four accounts, uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verse 18 and 19. It says, uh, and this is from, from jail, okay? So John is, is in prison. The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything that Jesus was doing. Now, this makes sense, right? Because he's in prison, so he doesn't really know what's going on with Jesus. It says, so John called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord, to Jesus, to ask him. Now check this question out. This is what he wants them to ask Jesus. Are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Just let that sit with you for a second, okay? John the Baptist wants to know, is Jesus the Messiah? I want you to imagine for a minute that you were one of those two friends that John beckoned over to the, the prison bars uh, in his cell and said, hey, God, come here, come here. Can, can you find this out for me? If Jesus is really the Messiah, can you go ask him? Like, what would be going through your head if John the Baptist wants to know that question? I mean, he's the proclaimer that Jesus is the Messiah. Would you be thinking, man, this guy the audacity of this guy, like the whole time was, is he just a total hypocrite? I mean, this guy is a fraud. Is that maybe what was going through your mind? Or maybe more like me, you're thinking, man, this guy is real. I mean, he's in jail. Like Jesus isn't busting him out of jail. You know, there's no big grand miracle happening. Um, The truth of the matter is we all have 
doubts, don't we? All of us, especially when things don't go our way. And things were not going John the Baptist's way. I imagine that those two friends of John, when he asked them that question, were probably thinking, man, I'm not the only one. (laughs) I'm not the only one wondering those things. It makes you also wonder a little bit. Like when you think about the, the New Testament and these gospel accounts of Jesus' life and death, um, why, why was this detail included in Luke's gospel? He was this physician that set about to just record the history of all the different things that happened with Jesus. And, um, and you know, when, when I think about it, there's really two reasons that I can come up with for why this story was included. Because if you think about it, um, it's not such a great look, is it? I mean, this is one of the prominent leaders of the Christian movement. And he's at the core of it all is asking if, if Jesus is, is still the Messiah. It looks, looks pretty bad. So the first reason why it was included um, is because it actually happened that way. If you think about it, um, these writers, they were just documenting what happened. So that wouldn't just be the good. It would be also the bad and the ugly. And this is a little bit ugly. You know, there's, there's something um, when, when historians are looking at text to, to try and figure out their, their um, reliability. There is a criterion of embarrassment. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this, but the criterion of embarrassment is one of the ways that you look at a text and you try and figure out, was this just something that somebody made up because they wanted to write history a certain way or did it actually happen that way? And uh, one of the things that I find so refreshing when you really take a, just an honest, critical look at those gospel accounts of Jesus, um, you see a lot of embarrassing stuff. And it really was embarrassing for all of the folks who wrote those gospels, those early followers of Jesus. They were the ones who were supposedly spreading this whole thing around that, you know, Jesus was the Messiah. And yet, man, they look really bad. There's only one hero in the story and that's Jesus. And so um, one of the reasons I believe why this uh, was included is because it actually happened. It happened that way. And you can actually believe and you can trust in those gospels that they are reliable and you can have faith in them. The second reason that I believe that that this story was included in Luke's account is for Jesus's response. Check out what Jesus says and does. Uh, Next verse, verse 20. So John's two disciples found Jesus and they said to him, Uh, John the Baptist uh, sent us to ask Jesus, this could be a little awkward, but um, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Verse 21, and notice these words. Jesus says, at that, or I'm sorry, it says at that very time, at that very time, meaning immediately, immediately in response to that question, check out not what Jesus says, but check out what Jesus does. It says, at that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. So not by his words at all. He says, you guys want to know? John the Baptist wants to know? Come on over here. I'm going to show you one more time, okay? Let's do some miracles. Let's do some healings. Let's do this thing, okay? And then verse 22, 
Then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him, what kind of a loser are you, John? How dare you question whether I'm the Messiah? What's wrong with you, man? Did he say that? No, he said, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. Notice that, what you have seen and heard. Talk about a gift. Talk about graciousness. He doesn't just give these guys some words to say. He gives them something that they experienced with their own eyes and ears. Tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Notice Jesus' response here. It's so important. Jesus doesn't condemn, does he? He reassures. He says, John, I hear you. I know you're in jail. You're, it's not looking good for you. You're trying to figure out like, where, why am I not coming to get you out? But I can tell you this. I am the one. Rest assured, John. Don't miss these words from Jesus because they're such a gift. Maybe you're in a season right now where, man, it's just tough. You find yourself in a bit of a jail cell sort of season of life. Maybe you've got prayers that haven't been getting answered. Um, I don't know. Maybe you got questions that are unresolved and doubts creeping in. You know, if you're going to be bold enough to admit it, you're trying to figure out where is God in all this? Has he forgotten about me? Does God even exist at all? I mean, these are, these are things that, that go off in my mind from time to time. And if that's where you're at and you're struggling and you're doubting, make sure you know that Jesus does, does not condemn that doubt. He does not condemn your questions or your struggles, but he simply reassuringly says, it's okay. I'm still your God. You can still trust me. You can still believe in me. I still love you. And just receive that. You know what's so cool about uh, this passage is that Jesus isn't done. He's not done. So let's look at uh, verse 24, a couple of verses later. It says, after John's disciples left, so after they went back to go tell John what they'd seen and heard, Jesus began talking about John the Baptist to the crowds. And this makes sense, right? Because everywhere Jesus went, he had crowds around him. There was no privacy. So this question... Everyone who was around and following him, they would have heard this and they would have seen what he was demonstrating and they would have seen his response and all that would have been happening, right? And so, um, so he basically is like, all right, so you guys want to know what's up? He addresses the crowds and he says, verse 28, I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Now, I just, I just think this is such a moment because you know everyone was whispering, oh my goodness, John the Baptist had this question? This is wild. And Jesus is like, look, there were a whole lot of really great things about John the Baptist, yeah, a lot of great qualities. But you know what I believe is one of his greatest qualities? Is he was real. He was real. It takes courage to be real, doesn't it? It takes guts. It's not easy. To be real. So 
as we close out this jumpstart series, you want to jumpstart your life? Be real. Be real. Be real with yourself. Be real with God. And be real with the people in your life. Uh, Maybe for you, as you think about that, you're like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty real. I keep it real with a lot of people. Um, Maybe, in fact, you you kind of have a a group or a circle of people that that you can really be real with. Um, Man, that's awesome. That is absolutely fantastic. Um, If you don't, if as you think about that, you're like, yeah, you know what? I, you know, when that Titanic is going down, I'm just kind of biting my, you know, lip and I'm just... I don't have a lot of people that I let into my life, okay? Um, if, if, if you find yourself in that, in that situation, um, I just want to offer this up to you. And we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks, okay? Um, just know that, that small groups here at Grace, they are a resource for you, okay? No pressure, but they're a resource for you. In fact, the very essence of what a small group is It is a safe environment that is intentionally designed so that you can talk about the things in life that really matter. Because how often, let's be honest, are we not talking about those things? So it's just a resource for you, okay? If you don't have that already in your life, if you don't have a place where you can be real, small groups, that's, that's what they're designed specifically to do. So, It's a very simple question that I want you to ponder this morning. Are you being real? Are you sharing what's really going on in your life? Your hopes, your dreams, your fears, the things that maybe keep you up at night. Do you have people that you're actually able to talk about this stuff with? Because it's really, really important. I want to show you a picture of my men's group. Um, so a while back, um, we all decided we were going to, uh, get together at a Korean barbecue place in, in Annandale. Anybody done the all you can eat Korean barbecue thing, man? Like it's, if you haven't done it, you got to do it. It's fantastic. My only regret from that night was since it was all you can eat and everything was on the menu, we decided to throw some intestines on the thing. And that was not good. And like the whole like peer pressure thing, like everybody was doing it. And that was just, yeah, thank you. Let's take that off the screen. We don't need to look at that anymore. But um, other than the intestine situation, it was a really, it was a really cool night. And, um, and I, I have to tell you, uh, my men's group, um, and it, it's for me, this, this is a, a group that is just, it's a really big, big deal for me. Um, because I actually have a, a place where, where I can be real. I have guys I can be real with. Uh, in fact, one of the things that, um, that I say in my men's group, and in fact, uh, the guys in my group probably get tired of hearing me say this because I say it all the time. I don't know if it's just my own insecurity or whatever, but I'm constantly telling them, I'm like, guys, listen, in this group, I'm not your pastor, okay? That's usually followed by some sort of, I don't know, confession or struggle or something that I'm going to. I'm like, I'm not your pastor. I'm just a regular guy. Okay, I just I need a place where I can just be real. And, um, you know, when when they share like some of the like their stuff that they're going through, um, I'm not like laying hands on them, you know, or like preaching a sermon. Oh, man, you know, this is so great. Let me stand up and I'm going to, you know, it's, it's not like that at all. Uh, in fact, when they share their stuff, 
you know, my, my, my typical reaction to that, my typical response is, man, thank you so much for sharing that. Me too. Been there. Because the, the truth of the matter is, we all, we all struggle. We all doubt, don't we? We all question. That's just, that's just real life. I'm no different just because I have the title of pastor because I work full-time here at Grace. And we especially struggle when things are tough, right? I mean, when we have that John the Baptist jail cell sort of time, like it's, it's really hard. Um, and, you know, I just want you to think about this for a minute as you think about the dynamics maybe in, in your group. Um, so I believe that my, my greatest contribution to my, to, to my group of guys is not actually, it doesn't have anything to do with being a pastor or any sort of thing that I might, you know, teach or what, any sort of authoritative anything. Uh, my, the, the biggest way that I believe that I help the guys in my group with, with their faith, it's not the answers to their questions. It's the fact that I have questions too. And they realize they're not alone. We're all in this struggle together. I just want to encourage you, maybe you're part of a, of a group and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not as real as you'd like it to be. You can set that tone. Because if you get real, guess what? Someone else is going to be like, dang, they just said that? I mean, I can put this out there. You know what I'm saying? So just, just know, you can, you can be real. And, and that can change the whole flavor of a group or of, of a number of relationships. Um, what I want to impress upon you just in closing is that um, your soul's deepest longing, whether you realize it or not, is to be known and loved. Your soul's deepest longing is to be known and loved. And the truth is, you already are. You already are. Because you are fully known and fully loved by God. Did you know that? You are fully known and fully loved by God. In fact, that's the very reason that God took on human form and came to this earth. I don't know if you kind of stop to think about like theologically and personally, why, why did God bother to come down to this earth? Like what, what was the whole point of it? Well, the point of it was to take on human form to be able to say, you know what, whatever, whatever all of you guys experience in this life, God's like, yeah, I've, I know what it's like to be human. I know what it's like to experience those emotions. I know what it's like to struggle. I know what it's like to be hurt and betrayed. He fully knows because he's walked this life too. But not only does he fully know everything about life and everything about you and everything about what you're going through, but he loves you fully as well. The apostle Paul says it better than I can. Romans 5, 8, Paul says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, and let me just decode that for you. While we were still sinners, as in before we, had, before we even really knew about God, before we had any you know, chance to earn our way or do anything that would sort of earn our way into God's graces, okay? Before any of that, Christ died for us. That's how God demonstrates his love. We are fully known and fully loved by God. I should break out into a Torn Wells song right now, but I'm definitely not going to do that because I cannot sing like him. Um, now, 
with that in mind, let's just be real about one last thing. Okay, and then I'm going to close this in prayer. Um, while we, we can receive that, yes, I'm fully known and fully loved by God. It's, it can be a pretty scary thing to be real with other people. Okay, it's one thing to be real with God. It's another thing to be real with other people, right? Because while our, our deepest longing is to be known and loved, our greatest fear is to be known and not loved. It's to be real and rejected. That is our soul's greatest fear. And so we just need to acknowledge that, okay? We, we got to push into it. We want to be real. We know that that is where the fullness of life is. That's how God made us. But we've got to push into that fear. You've heard this expression before. Every day, do one thing that, that scares you, right? Every day, do one thing that scares you. I don't know you, what you're trying to push into right now, but let me just give you a challenge this week. What if you made that the one thing that you're going to do that scares you? You're going to be real every day this week. You're going to take a step in trusting that you're already fully known and fully loved by God. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for this great reminder um, that struggles and doubts and questions, they're just part of this life. They're part of the journey. God, we thank you for how real John the Baptist was and for how this physician named Luke captured this uh, beautiful moment and Jesus's response, God. We thank you that it's, that it's okay, that, that you understand that this is what happens in, in life. We, we struggle. Uh, God, um, we thank you that we are fully known and fully loved by you. And just help us, help us to find the courage to be real with those in our lives. In Christ's name, amen.